What's up, everybody? Welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle, a podcast all about real estate, sports, and entertainment. Take a deep dive with me into the world of high-end lifestyle and get exposed to the different leaders behind the scenes of it all. So let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Michael Ferraro, where we talk to the best of the best when it comes to sports, entertainment, real estate, finance, and more. And I always promise you I bring you nothing but the best, nobody but the best. And we have the best of the best with us today. Our guest is Robin Kinsell. Robin, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm happy to be here. So I'm going to give some uh, some of the listeners and the viewers your background. Um, okay. Because, like I said, uh, we, we are just bringing the best when it comes to this area. Robin uh, ranks on the, as the, one of the top 1% of real estate agents in all of the U.S. She is a distinguished member of the Who's Who in Luxury Real Estate, Out Residence Luxury Realtors Agent Networks. She is a founding agent of Compass Greenwich and belongs to both the Compass Luxury Division and the Sports and Entertainment Division. She's a former top Fortune 100 executive and, and a six-time United States champion in Pro-Am American Smooth Ballroom Dance. Just to name a couple of the things about Robin. Now, I will let my, uh, all my podcast listeners here on iTunes and Spotify and everybody watching us on YouTube and further out um, know that me and Robin both work together uh, at Compass real estate. And one of the main reasons that I am at Compass is because I looked up to Robin and uh, as a real estate agent and followed her success, um, wanting to get into the high end, wanting to get in sports and entertainment and luxury real estate in Greenwich. And uh, I saw that the best of the best were at Greenwich, uh, at Compass, and Robin is one of the leaders there. And so I thought about on this journey, not only did I come to Compass because of Robin, but also who did I want to talk to? Um, in my market. You are the first agent that we brought on in the market that I also work in. And it's just uh, a tremendous um, you know, tip of the hat to you because I thought of nobody better that I want to come on as the first agent um, to speak to. I'm it. really humbled by that. Thank you. Well, you, you are awesome. So uh, Robin, let's get to know you. Let's let everybody get okay. to know you a little bit more. Okay. So let's talk about you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people kind of have lives before they get into real estate. Some are lifelong real estate yeah. people. Some have lives before real estate. Yeah. You clearly did. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, where you brought up and, and, and just your story. Sure. Sure. Um, I think my story has to start with the business that my parents and my grandparents ran, which was a nursing home. And um, one of the things I'll never forget is my grandfather telling me that we had a higher level of responsibility because we ran the facility and we were responsible for 72 residents and everybody who worked there. And so from you know the moment practically I could walk, we were already in and out of the nursing home kind of helping, whether it was you know racing wheelchairs down the corridor, I am embarrassed to say, or actually really doing work, um, that we really had to step it up and be an example. And that's what has been in my mind since a young child um, from my family. And, and uh, I what think was this in, not to cut you off, but what, just give people an idea, this was in Greenwich as well? 
Oh, no. I grew up outside New Haven. Okay. Just an ordinary girl in an ordinary town. And actually, I grew up during a very heavily racial period in the 1970s in a very divided public high school. And I was in student government and deeply immersed in that experience. Um, Where outside New Haven? Problems. In Hamden. Oh, okay. I went to school at Southern. So. Okay. Uh, Hamden. Okay. There you go. Perfect. Um, but anyway, I, I think that was probably my key, you know, formation experience was our family business and growing up in an Italian family and being very cold on the carpet. Right. You know, if you get an A, why didn't you get an A plus sort right. of a, a life? But my parents also really believed in doing what you love. And I always say I'm not working because I love what I do. And I think that's important because of the number of hours you spend. So as you referenced, I have had four careers prior to real estate. Um, and again, you know, it was just following things that interested me. Right. A summer college job led to me going to business school after college because I was a philosophy major, thinking I was going to enter religious life um, and didn't. And the business school experience, which was supposed to prime me to go run the nursing home, led me to go get healthcare experience in the best company I could find, which was Johnson & Johnson. Mm -hmm. And that led me down a real business strategic planning marketing path to a number, to three different companies, because I wanted a high-tech company, I wanted a fashion luxury company, and I wanted a commodity business. And I think what's important is just gaining experiences and growing all the time. So anytime I'm not growing, I'm changing my career. Yeah, um, because if I'm not learning then I'm not getting better and I'm getting stale and I'm going to feel it and clients are going to feel it. Now, did you now um, you went to college in the area? I went to college. Um, well, I went to a girl's school for one year and realized, whoops, not not so much. Yeah. And was also very interested in a political career. So I went to Georgetown for my undergraduate. Oh, cool. cool. And I went to Kellogg at Northwestern University for my MBA. So did this kind of so when you were done with that and you kind of went into some of the marketing spaces and and that kind of was that right after yeah. school? Um, no, I took a year off because I was thinking about religious life, uh -huh. and I lived with you know nuns down in Augusta, Georgia. Wow. I worked for the American Public Health Association in D.C. So I took a year with different healthcare experiences, and then went to business school. And yeah, again, it's just yeah. about trying things. Yeah. and seeing things and exploring who you are inside that really excites you. So at that time, you're, you're, you had, that's a big, that was a huge uh, about step you were going to make into, the, into life. Yeah. And then you made yeah. the shift um, into the business side of it. And then so let's, yeah. like, how did that, how did that evolve? Like, where would you go from there? Because that, to be, you, so it, to have a, to be one of the, um, you know, top fortune 100 executives is a big deal. And, and how did that happen? Let me clarify that. I worked for top fortune 100 companies. Okay. I was in, I was in marketing management. So oh, okay. Okay. I got to, I got to, um, a VP level in marketing for a, for one of the companies, but gotcha. I was also running a side job. This was in the nineties and we were, everybody worked a lot. My husband was, you know, on wall street uh, in an investment banking. So he worked literally, he was sleeping on a sofa. So, right. you know, I came home 
I'm like, what am I doing with my time? Because I wasn't, I, I danced earlier, but I wasn't dancing then. So one of my neighbors owned a really fabulous kitchen and bath design company. And I just had a love of design. So she literally trained me in the evenings and weekends in kitchen and bath design. Wow. And then I was on the floor on the weekend. So I had this, you know, real day job that was not, not taxing. Right. And then I had weekend stint as a kitchen and bath designer. Um, but it was, it was leading me in this other direction. And honestly, Michael, we got out of graduate schools with zero dollars and I saw a townhouse under construction and I kid you not, I put down a down payment with my MasterCard for $3,500. It wasn't finished. I customized a few things. I realized it was going to sell better and it looked really good. I made $30,000 on that sale and it moved me to our next purchase of a townhouse in Bronxville. And we literally just started kind of stepping up our purchases accidentally almost. Um, but I, 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 you know, I realized, oh, I'm kind of good at um, finding people. I love working with a team. I can create something that's better than what I bought. And you know, even sometimes I wasn't meaning to sell it, but someone would knock on my door and I sold it. And this so is before that, you had your license. Before way before. That. I mean, way before, way before. You know, I finally, when I couldn't put together another business plan, I was so sick of putting together business plans. I um, opened a strategic planning company and I shifted to the nonprofit. So I worked for Georgetown for a few years creating business plans. I worked for the very first electronic medical record company, coming up with a brand, coming up with the concept, consumerizing it, and all at the same time was really restoring pre-war homes that were getting a little bit bigger each time. Mm -hmm. So I had this whole second career and um, you know, along the way, I was fortunate enough to meet an amazing woman whose background, her husband really began um, luxury spas. He, he was the owner and creator of Golden Door Spa in California, and she is an antique dealer, and she is the patron of John Dickinson, who's an enormous name in design. And she really kind of trained me along with taking classes in interior design. And so then we had this other crazy side thing where we didn't advertise, but we got, you know, fabulous clients and created real collections. And so my life just kept, I just kept following what came my way, yeah. honestly. And along the way, one of my very good friends and my husband would say, you should be in real estate. And I would say, yeah. no, oh, like showing houses all day. No, sales? that's not what I do. <laughs> not brainy enough. I'm not, a, yeah, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson today. Yeah. I'm a problem solver. I'm right. a negotiator. Yeah. I'm like entertaining your kids. I'm everything, but I don't sell. Yeah. I help you choose what fits you. I think that's the biggest that misconception about still to this day what i don't know why people put you know real estate salesmen and car salesmen and those people yeah. no we're especially at your level it, it this is very much a consultant role this is very much a problem solving role these are the best of the best that have the best of the best represent them and whether it's their financial aspect or financial planning or whatever it is we play that role you play that role for that person it's there's no this is not a sales thing at all, you, this is not a salesperson. You're not pushing anything on anybody or doing anything like that. I would not be able to sleep at night if I was even selling you a candy bar. 
I would, yeah. you know, I, I want to put things in front of you. I want to understand the market and I want to give you my knowledge, but also let you know, yeah. this is based on my experience and I'm trying to take out my filters to see what your needs are. Right. And at the end of the day, help you make a decision you're going to be really excited about. Right. And honestly, when I get an accepted offer the next day, I call the, the buyers right at, first thing in the morning and say, how are you feeling after you slept? I really need to know that you are so excited because right. I once had an experience and it happened to be Greenwich where we, we opened the door after we bought it and I turned to my husband and said, this was a huge mistake and I have to sell it. You did. This I did. That you were going to live in? And we did live in it. Wow. We were, um, we were moving back from Chicago. I had literally just finished a huge project on a pre-war home in, in uh, Kenilworth, you know, right near Northwestern. He got, he changed jobs. We came to Greenwich for one day. Um, the realtor took us around. We almost bought in a, in a top association and she didn't really describe it as such. Right. And I seemed to like another home that backed up to the parkway that she didn't happen to mention backed up to the parkway. And we were looking at things so fast, I really didn't analyze the construction quality. And I got into the house and I, and I looked around, I'm like, this is, this is just, I can't live in this. Plus it wasn't a pre-war. And for me, I can only live in old houses. Really? So I, you know, I, I took a year, I took out all the molding, I put in things, I made it way better. And, um, you know, we sold it, but we didn't sell it for a dime. Actually what happened, a dime profit. Actually the person who bought it turned around and sold his contract to somebody else for a hundred thousand dollars. Like wholesaled it. And he made the profit, but you know what? I've won some, I've lost some. You just can't look back. Same thing in deals. You yeah. win some, you lose some, they turn a corner. You just can't worry about it. It's all going yeah. to work out in the wash. Yeah, but you win a lot. But I probably lose more than you think because I honestly, I don't spend 10 minutes on what I don't, Yeah. you know. Well, that's, that's you. It seems to be even up to this point in your story, you kind of, you don't, add a lot of friction to your life like you kind of like okay this is kind of where no. it's going this is kind of the mood this is kind of the the flow i'm i'm here for a reason this is taking me here i'm going to go with it and i think that yeah a lot of a lot of what you're saying is even in that situation with the house you you're like okay i'm here maybe this wasn't a good decision but we're going to make this kind of work and yeah yeah i, I think that yeah. even up to this point that's your story that that's kind of who you are that, that's my story you know sometimes people will say to me do you ever sleep? I'm like, are you kidding? I sleep eight to nine hours a night. Like I have to be well rested. Yeah. And then sometimes people say you never stop. I'm like, oh, you don't, you're not with me all day. <laughs> I am on, but then I'm taking breaks because I have to offer people my full self. Right. And I can't offer them my full self if I'm running on empty. Exactly. So I'm a big advocate of, you know, take the time you need for your body and yourself. So when you're with clients, or you're with your family, yeah. you can bring the best of who you are. Right. So let's talk now about real estate. Okay. How did that start? Because you clearly have a background here where you were starting yeah. to flip houses and you were very good yeah. at this and you started getting into understanding okay. design. How did this happen? Okay. So a very good friend of mine owned a boutique um, real estate firm in Greenwich and one day, and she was buying and selling my houses for me. And one day she looked at me and she's like, 
you have the business background, you have the finance background, you have the design background, you've project managed for people, you've got to come into real estate. So I got my license, but as you well know, it's hard to just flip on a dime and start making um, an income. Yeah. You know, it takes a while to build. So I kept the design business going while I had the real estate license until I couldn't do both anymore. Right. And I really got my start. I mean, I had a very articulated business plan, as you can imagine, because that's my background. Right. I know a lot of successful people that don't have business plans, but for me, I need to have some sense of, you know, where I'm spending my time and what my priorities are so that the day doesn't overtake me, but a little bit I'm managing the day. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a day where I can totally manage my day because right. stuff happens. Right. But I need to have somewhat of an outline. And so I was, you know, um, implementing my marketing plan and I drove by um, a house that I knew from my daughter's friend at school. And I recognized they had bought the land next door and they were building a house. And I literally just said to myself, they can't own two houses. And they were on the water. And so I called them and for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, you're right. We haven't gotten far enough to think about that, but you know, come talk to us. And so I took my friend who owned the company, because right. what did I know? And we had a great conversation with them and they called me and they said, let's both. And that was my first sale, which wow. happened to be, you know, over $10 million, but I had a confidence. No, but, but here's what That's I want to awesome. say, but here's what I want to say. I have a confidence because the world that many of my clients live in, I just happen to be in that world yeah. because of, because of our lives. So I'm very comfortable with it. It doesn't impress me. People are people. Right. And sometimes people say, my house is too small. You won't take it. I'll take anything from. 300,000 yeah. to 150 million, unless you're a total jerk. Right. And then I'm not taking you. Right. Even if I can learn from you, I'll take you. But right. you know, if, if I don't think I can learn from you, no. Right. And, um, and so I, I had a real comfort. I just have this confidence that honestly, go back to my beginning story was instilled in me, in my family, because we were running this business that I just, I don't think there isn't anything I can't do. And I, I'm not saying that obnoxiously. I'm just saying that from right. parents who just said, anything you put your mind to, you can do. Just that simple belief. Were you nervous and at all on your first deal? Say? Were you nervous at all on your first deal? No. no. I, 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 just, I just don't get nervous because what is nervousness? It's lack of knowledge. And so if I don't know something, I will either say to the client, I don't know that, but I'm going to find out, or I will bring in people. I mean, even today I had a building inspection and I have um, somebody, you know, who helps us manage our house. That's an engineer. And he was along for the entire building inspection because I, my clients are extraordinarily conscientious and meticulous and want to know everything. And that's not my expertise. So if I don't know something, I'm bringing in somebody who knows something. Mm. And luckily I have, you know, 30 year relationships that I really trust and I weed them out and I sort them out until if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for my clients. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. So your first deal was, was, was a, that's a big deal at any time yeah. ever, right? doesn't matter. Um, how did you parlay that into 
the trajectory into the career that you have have had and continued to have and and kind of speak to um, the career that you have now starting from that first deal to where where it went look um, I'm not unrealistic I recognize that that was a combination of really luck that these people who you know knew me but didn't know me intimately trusted me mm-hmm. um, and that I had to prove myself but it doesn't mean that it was going to take me along a certain path. And I'm, you know, luck is one thing, but I'm really a believer in hard, smart work and being extraordinarily efficient with your time. So I didn't say, oh, now I'm a path. Now I'm on the path to the luxury market. I chased things that I believed in. Um, I, you know, I didn't have a huge network. And so I really did hard marketing in a number of different directions. I don't do that anymore because luckily 95% of my business is word of mouth. Right. But in the old days, there's no magic to it. There's no substitute for hard work, knowing what your strengths are, right. you know, supplementing where, where your weaknesses are and just really being true to yourself. And I think that's my main thing. You've got to be who you are. Yeah. You can't be somebody else. Someone said to me last week, you should really redo your photos. You just don't look very approachable. You're like a little too done in your photos. I'm like, I don't know. I just honestly, except for the fact that I have somebody do my hair because I can't do my hair to save my life. That's just how I am. I mean, I'm either in dance clothes or I'm dressed for work. Yeah. And I don't think I should be taking photos for work in dance clothes. Probably so not. therefore I'm in work clothes. <laughs> wow. Um, Okay, so I want to I want to go into the dance part. It's a perfect segue, but I also want to kind of finish this real estate stuff because I want sure. dance to be the whole thing. Um, so, sports, entertainment, and luxury real estate, and Compass, right? So, like Compass is newer to your real estate career if you look at the whole scan of it, because you were one of the right. founding members. And Compass right. hasn't been around in the area that yeah. that long. And so the sports and entertainment labeling it that, giving it that label, right, is newer too. So talk a little bit about how Compass kind of came in and changed the game for you, I guess, and sports and entertainment. How how do you look at it as far as, because everybody's different. I had Ben Moss on, who's the head of that, um, sports and entertainment, and he had a whole, you know, amazing outlook on it. So I'd love to know how you kind of look at that. Yeah. Look, I'm at Compass because it is the first um, brokerage that that came to me that aligned with how I see business. So the real estate industry industry is pretty much behind um, consumer packaged goods, which was my world. And every time I would go to a brokerage and get recruited to a brokerage, you know, I found myself um, not really aligned with how they saw marketing a a property. And at that time, most of the time until this crazy new market we're in, I was mostly doing listings. Compass um, in there, starting with just the obvious, if you're in a luxury asset, you better be hiring people in marketing who have a luxury background. Like that was so obvious, but they're the first ones who really did that. Um, And then their technology platform that, you know, when they said we make your life more efficient, I didn't totally appreciate that, to be honest, because I am um, a very, very efficient person. But what I have found is I get things done so quickly that I can just spend more time either, you know, thinking about the properties or other aspects of my life. 
So I, I, I love that. And they talked about raising the caliber of an agent. And I always have said, you know, I'm, that's, one, that's my tagline, um, the beauty and business of real estate, elevating, elevating real estate. So it was just a really good fit and partnership. In terms of the sports and entertainment, you know, every brokerage, I think, has a sports and entertainment division that I've been part of. I like that Compass holds, they don't just give it lip service. You really have to have a clientele in sports and entertainment to be part of that division. Right. And, you know, that division is all about, again, networking, sharing information, sharing experiences. I mean, I um, I've worked with a number of professional athletes and entertainers and people who are celebrities. Sure. And look, at the end of the day, they also are just people. But what I know about them is they are used to a certain level of service. Right. They are they have a very, very complicated fast life um, in the case of athletes. I understand them because of my competitive background. Right. Um, so, I, you know, instinctually, I understand where they're coming from. And um, I think it's just really helpful to, again, have that network of people that you can go to and work with for that particular clientele. Right. And, you know, Compass now has this new luxury division, and that's been really helpful because with luxury listings, they have to be marketed a different way. Right, right, exactly. That's excellent. So let's talk a little bit about um, the current real estate market because the number one question, I, yeah. I, I, get two, I get two questions from people all the time. One is, uh, one is obviously, how's the market? That's just the yeah. most general question. And I'm always like, yeah. what, nationally, locally, where, what are you talking about? That's such a general question that, that's almost aggravating sometimes. Uh, the other one is like, how many, you know, have you many celebrities? That's always the, the second thing. But the main one of is um, the how's the market. So I'll pitch it to you. And I'm talking specifically, you know, I'm talking two things. One, uh, the national market kind of forecasting for your one, your opinion on it. And also the lower Fairfield County specifically, our Greenwich market. I mean, what, how do you yeah. how do you see it? Yeah. Well, I think in terms of um, nationally, you know, I've got a listing in, in the Berkshires, which is like another kind of little yep. luxury bubble. Yep. Um, but when you look nationally and you look at the luxury markets, I'm really, it's every agent I've talked to in every luxury market, I mean, Aspen, the Hamptons, you know, LA, I mean, San Francisco, we're all exploding. I mean, yeah. so it's, it's really interesting. Today, I was thinking, if we're all exploding, how are we all exploding? Because mm -hmm. normally, it's like an accounting, debits and credits. But somehow, we're all exploding. And, you know, I didn't think we were going to have any slow up. And I'm not hearing any slow up from any of, um, any of my colleagues across the luxury market. So, you know, I would say nationally, we seem to be really strong, and I attribute it to those interest rates, a confidence that the election's behind us. You know, we've got the vaccine going, so I think people are feeling starting to. They need something hopeful, and purchasing a new house, you know, if if you're able to do it, is definitely saying 
okay, I've got a new chapter going. I think we're all looking for a new chapter that we can just pull ourselves up and feel better about. When, um, when you're looking at the of, national market, I'm wondering your opinion on this. So one of the things I'm thinking about, and I'm thinking about the same thing, I'm looking at nationally. Um, yeah. Relocations are at an all-time high, all-time high. Yeah. We have all-time low interest rates. We have luxury right. markets exploding as well as entry-level markets. Yeah. And then my question is like, well, obviously property values are here, interest rates are here, buyers are like let's buy, sellers are like we're gonna sell. What? Where do you? I don't know if there's ever been a time like this where you kind of can't tell where the pandemic on relocating out of city stuff starts or stops and where like the interest rates, high value start and stop. Like, I don't know which, where do you see it? Do you see it pandemic driven or? You know what? You're not gonna be able to answer that because unlike consumer products where you've got so many statistical models that you can go to and, and tease out variables, right. it's frustrating in real estate because you just don't have any modeling. So, you know, that would just be conjecture um, I mean, I am thinking about the 90s where, you know, rates were low and prices were climbing. And I'm told that literally people were flinging contracts across the front steps. Um, and I have to say, I don't think, I don't know that I've had any deal. Maybe I've had a few during COVID that are not multiple bidding wars. I mean, it's just very, very heated. In terms of where it's going, look at once rates rise that's going to impact the market we know that historically so um you know but as long as rates are staying where they're staying yeah. i think whether it's an entry market or an older you know we also have to look at population trends and population sizes and the fact of the matter is if you look at population numbers there's more people and there's more people at faster rates right. so people need housing right Let's talk about our beloved Greenwich in Lower Fairfield County. Or, yeah. I had um, a couple of days ago, I interviewed uh, Fred Camillo, the, the first selectman of yeah. Greenwich. We talked yeah. a lot about his policies that he wanted to implement immediately before COVID hit, because right as he came in, COVID hit. Um, and now through COVID and, and where he's still looking to do policy-wise, kind of cleaning up Greenwich, doing some stuff with Greenwich Avenue, things like that. Uh, I agree. I think that real estate will be hot this year. I think they're going to keep these rates low. I think they're going to keep this thing going and everybody wants it to stay this way. Where, where do you see um, Greenwich uh, luxury market continue to explode the rest of the year? Do you see a, a, a plateauing of some prices or areas and location in Greenwich that becoming hotter than were cold before? Well, first of all, I think since you probably have listeners from all over, I want to say that um, luxury markets that tune into what buyers want today, which is the obvious walkability, green space, you know, really maximizing um, quality of life, which that phrase has become something so different in the last 11 months. Those are the markets that are going to continue to do well. Right. So I think um, I was on the first selectman's economic development council before Fred, and we worked a lot on that. We worked on, you know, what does the downtown mean? Why do we have a parking lot right at the at the uh, right. Long Island Sound? Can right. we be using land better? Right. So as long as Greenwich and other luxury towns are looking at their master plans and looking at, it always goes back to consumer need. 
what does a consumer need and want? And I think Fred's got some great plans and we can look at some other great luxury markets like San Francisco and Santa Barbara, you know, who have really done some fabulous things to make their communities really um, providing what folks want today. And it's all about wellness and it's all about health and it's all about, um, you know, just enjoying nature and getting out of where we've been enclosed for 11 months. That's going to be even more important psychologically. Where, so where I would you see, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, sorry. What I like about, what I like best for Greenwich on the pandemic is folks came out first renting in a panic. A lot of those people converted to buyers because yep. they didn't realize that this is not the Greenwich that I heard it was. Right. There are stuffy people wearing pearls, having lunch all day. These are like active, interesting folks who do stuff. And so they start telling their friends, my business is all word of mouth and it's all New Yorkers telling their friends. And, you know, Greenwich is now becoming what it was when I was a kid. It was Greenwich out there. Right. So um, I think Greenwich is going to be in a great shape for the long haul. When my buyers say, I don't want to buy in this, in this heated up market, I keep saying, hey, we were at 2005 prices, which were 20 to 25% behind. We're now about 10% lift on COVID. You're still looking good and you're going to be looking good because word of mouth spreads and we're going to continue to go up. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess a good segue too to clientele that you're seeing now. A majority of them obviously are what you would think. Um, New York City um, had a couple of uh, out, of, out of state across country, international, but it's still mainly it's it's kept up. And I agree 100% in your timeline. That was 100% my experience. <laughs> the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, you still see a strong New York City market? New York will always be our feeder. Yeah. So, you know, there's no surprise there. But I've got two international clients right now. I've had the West Coast. I've had the Midwest. So, again, I think, um, you know, it's going to continue to be everybody, but Manhattan will always be our primary feeder market. Yeah. I was surprised that we didn't get, I thought that this, it, the time was going to also be a big jump for Westchester because Westchester was always strong trying yeah. to get away from taxes. And I thought this was going to be like, yeah. now's the time I'm going to get out of these taxes. I got to come over here, homeschool. I'm going to leave it anyway. I saw a little bit, but I was not, I was, I was shocked by how many people were Florida coming up or Hampton coming up than, than Westchester. I was just taking, you know, my... I think what's happening there. Cause I've had a lot of Westchester toe dippers yeah. and they're, you know, dipping their toe, they're looking for things, but ultimately they either have to wait to sell their house and folks are picking Connecticut because of the advantageous taxes and we're much Greenwich is much larger. So it's a very different experience living in Greenwich than living in a smaller town that's you know nearby right and I always say to people i just want you to pick the town that's right for you i'm not selling against anybody i'm just going to tell you what we have here right um and then you know you see if it fits and i do sell in other towns around Perfect. me so it's really about finding what fits you i think the inventory is just so low but the the, the consensus is if you can get me into that greenwich market because it is just so difficult to yeah. not have it all there you know and yeah. um and then you can yeah. go to your secondary markets, whatever's around. You got the Unicane and your Darien's, your Westports, your Fairfields, yeah. things like that, um, or into Westchester. 
Um, yeah. Okay, you are awesome. Let's keep it Thank going. You. Let's talk dance because uh, I think it's a okay. cool little segue here. Um, I was an athlete. I was an all-American swimmer at Southern Connecticut. Nice. Um, and it was kind of always like one of those sports that was like, and I played football. I did a lot of other stuff, but yeah. in my world, like I was an all-American swimmer. I was at nationals, you know, all this different stuff. Yeah. Big deal. But to a lot of people, swimming was kind of like a secondary sport, right? <laughs> and they didn't really get it. They didn't understand how it worked. It was, it was yeah. so but I did it all my life. It, it was the dedication. You're in four to five hours a, a yeah. day in it. Dancing yeah. is, is much, is a lot, the, the people don't realize the tremendous toll that it takes on your body too. Cause it's, it's a yeah. whole physical thing. And so talk yeah. about dance. When did it start for you? How, were you doing all of your life? Yeah, it's been a lifelong, it's been a lifelong thing for me. Um, you know, and, and thank you for recognizing that it is a sport. Um, a very demanding sport. You know, I, I really love it though. I've done other sports because it is so multidimensional. You've got the physical, obviously with all the cross training and my day starts early, um, because I do have to cross train, but it's got, um, but let's go to the partnership aspect, the partnership aspect, which really relates so much to work and so much to life. You know, as my partner reminds me, this is the one place where you're not in charge. I, you know, I've, I'm a pencil and you're finishing my line. And so there's so many layers to that. And I've really, I've danced really since I've been four, but I've danced in ballroom for 19 years now. And every day, including tonight when I danced, I cannot believe that I'm unlocking and peeling out new things. Um, so it's really exciting on so many levels, but I would say it's so much about collaboration. You know, there's timing, there's like timing, and then there's where you're behind timing and you're catching up on timing. I mean, I could go into so many different levels. Right. You're playing with music, you're playing with your partner, you're playing within yourself and your own um, abilities and you're pushing your limits. So I'm really fortunate because during COVID, there's so much less running around. I never said I would be a Peloton person, but you know, and her fiance living with us and day one, she's like, you got to get a Peloton. Yeah. So now all of a sudden I've become a lot stronger and faster because of the Peloton. Yeah. Yeah. And I discovered this amazing Broadway choreographer, one of the first major Broadway dancers doing Zoom classes and wow. she's now an intimate part of my my dance world and you know she on zoom will work with us and she'll say four things that i'm like god you have just really changed me so i have to say it's exciting because in 11 months i've become a very different dancer um with masks on and you know i can't wait to go back i mean competing do i like to compete no i like to entertain and perform and make people feel something and share something and use whatever I've been given. Um, so I think, um, I think, you know, once we're vaccinated, well, there, I mean, there, there are people competing, but I'd like to have us both vaccinated first. It's interesting. I, I started swimming competitively when I was eight years old and I did it all the way through. And then when I was done training at 21, 22, then I coached for 10 years and I just stayed in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who, I mean, in, in your sport, you did it and you started when you were four years old, you learned your craft, you yeah. went all the way through. 
that's that's a passion that's a love for what you do did it ever interfere because the training is tremendous you're cross training you that that is a demanding sport there's a yeah. lot of relationship building because you have your partner and you have to also right. organize where am i going where am i competing where am i doing where am yeah. i going on weekends yeah. did it ever interfere in your life at a point where you're like man it well of course listen i'm not a superwoman i mean of course my sacrifice has been you know, I don't, I don't have any time to spend, I mean, very little with friends. Any free time is with family. So where people are out having dinner with friends, when you're having dinner, I'm schlepping to go dance. So the commitment is, and the sacrifice is, you know, something. I mean, something has to give. I also no longer cook. So I was running a group last night um, for a spiritual practice, and they were talking about cooking. And they asked me what I was making for dinner. I'm like, I don't cook anymore. Something had to go. Yeah. And in my world, it was cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what would you say? Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're a, a six times United States pro-am American yes. smooth yes. ballroom dance. Yeah. Um, for people who have no idea, can you kind of yeah. break down the ballroom dance sure. world? Like, sure. so, like what, what yeah. are there levels? Are there different styles? Yeah, yeah like, of course. Yeah. There's, there's four styles, either American styles or international styles. The American styles, I do American smooth, which is waltz, foxtrot, Venus waltz, and tango. It's exactly what you see on Dancing with the Stars, mm. very open. Um, and there are levels that are divided by age and by level. So I compete at the highest level before pro. And sometimes I compete below my age because I just, we like to challenge, but what we do is we don't stick with what's traditional. Like what we have coming out once we get back is very different than typical ballroom. It's contemporary, it pushes envelopes. And I kind of don't think about my age. My partner's 38, I think now. And I just see myself, you know, at that, at that age and doing those things. And luckily with PRP and an amazing group of doctors, um, you know, my body stays together. I have two replaced hips. So wow. that's, um, yeah. so, you know, the last five years was replacing hips and, um, you know, not being able to Physical try to reach and everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I'm really excited. And, you know, those titles just mean that the judges really like what I'm putting out there. So I'm very focused this year on putting out something that's gonna be super exciting for the judges and the audience. There's nothing better than when we walk off the floor and people are literally crying and because we've moved them. And that's honestly my goal. Wow. My goal is also just to have somebody, anybody have us perform that's meaningful, like gave us a nursing home. You know, I told hospital for special surgery, can't you use us? So they're waiting for a tape to see if they can use us. But, you know, we'll perform anywhere. <laughs> when you perform, is it like like a gymnastics routine where you have a routine and it's a song and when it's over? Or is there is it multiple songs and it's over? Like Michael, it's really not what you expect. So you go to compete and it starts with, in my category, waltz. But you have no idea what waltz is playing. So therefore it starts... You have to interpret what kind of a waltz oh, it wow. is. Okay. You know, is it sad? Is it happy? Whatever. It's a minute and 30 seconds. Because there's about 16 couples on the floor at the same time, you have choreography, but you might have to change it because of traffic. 
we now just change it because you know he wants me not to just lead and follow but to be so in tune with him that i'm not with him but i'm a second delayed behind him and see if i'm responding and then you get an eight second break and you move to tango same deal i don't know what tango's playing i mean and they're vastly different and then you move to foxtrot and then you end up with viennese waltz so a it's physically exhausting i mean you are how long breathing is this? So how long is this well it's eight minutes and then okay. and it's like just group after group so it's i mean it's you know it's whatever but it's fiercely competitive there's usually it's women so it's a pro and it's an amateur some you know a lot of them don't work and spend gobs of time right i i mean i i'm dancing with him probably three to four nights a week and then i'm cross training you know two to three hours a day shoving in around work and life how this i, I just, as soon as you start talking about this my brain immediately goes to this <laughs> because i was always a watch right like if I don't put in the work, yeah. it shows. It's me versus me in the class yeah. versus other people. And I always said yeah. to my wife, who's University of Bridgeport gymnastics coach, how do you do? How do you do routines and stuff, and then have somebody go, no, that 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 I couldn't. Is that how it works in ballroom? Like there's a judge and they're taking their opinion on on what what has yeah no let let's be honest about it. You're judged on your partnership. You're judged on your technique. You're judged on your musicality. There's a level of politics like everything else. And, um, you know, you can't control anybody but yourself in life. That's true for everything. And so I don't really see it as competing, just like I don't see myself competing in real estate. Right. I just do what I do. And I want to put out something really magical. That's, that's my goal in dance. And my goal in real estate is just to exceed people's happiness quota in their experience. So. That's why you you said that you like you like to perform necessarily more than competing because the performing you're, yeah. it's you just doing the best you can so that you get the reaction from the people if they're crying whatever yeah. that, which must be a phenomenal experience to feel that yeah to somebody through oh, so great and then at the same time do you ever feel like when you do compete like yeah I'm the by far the best out here. Like I, I have this. Is yeah. That, like you no, know, no. like you can peek an eye from the side of the guy. I got them. They're not as good. I don't peek an eye, but we've been really a little naughty because people are competing now, yeah. and so we're like going on and watching them, and we're like, oh, we're gonna smoke that. But I gotta be honest. I never get nervous in business. I can get stupidly really? nervous in competition. Really. And it's, it's for no good reason. And I'm hoping this 11 months has worked on some of my weaknesses so that I'm just so comfortable in my body. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in really stupid high heels. So I'm doing these turns and spins and I'm in high heels with a dress that, I mean, I have tripped on the dress, rolled across the floor and gotten up and gone like, oh well. Really? So, wow. Yeah. What do you do? It's life. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Athletes are athletes. You know, what do you, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> athletes are athletes. Unpredictable. That's it. It's unpredictable. You start, you, well, you know, you start and you're like, please show up. Yeah. Please just do 80% of what you do yeah. when I'm in the rehearsal studio, please. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's amazing. I'm going to be, I'm going to YouTube like a lot of ballers because like now I feel like it's competitive. So I'm like, I want to see what this is. I'm like. going to send you something from today. Yeah, we, 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 we videoed ourselves today and I'm going to send you a clip from it. Okay. I want to see it. Send it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So I have some, um, some kind of fire round questions to just kind of throw at you. Nothing too crazy. Okay. Um, and then we'll kind of get some of your content information. We'll kind of wrap it up. 
So um, favorite personal or professional um, achievement or moment? Oh, wow. I always say, I always say that my last achievement is like, it's behind me. So just look forward. I don't really count those, but I have to say every time I win a national title, it, you know, it's, it's amazing. So I, I'm going to say that okay. every time it never gets old. I'm really humbled because it reflects a tremendous amount of commitment and, you know, partnership. And I'm so lucky to have someone phenomenal um, by my side. Got it. Favorite book? Uh, favorite book? The Alchemist comes to my mind. Hmm. Um, I don't know why, but that just came. Okay. Well, I've never. What, what is it? The Alchemist? The Alchemist. It's a, it's, a, it's a book on life, philosophy. It's a little story. It's not too thick. Um, really? Pick it up. Cool. I definitely will. Uh, you're sitting down when you do sometime have downtime, which, you know, you get make it for yeah. yourself. Um, you're going to watch a movie. I don't know if you're a movie person. What genre are you putting on? Oh, if I'm extraordinarily tired, I'm putting on comedy. Um, if I'm with my husband and we're just having a good night, we'll do something either um, kind of historical or he's a musician if for fun. So, you know, I'm always getting pulled into like the Bee Gees movie. I mean, some <laughs> movie about some musician, which yeah. I like because I'm learning about artists. So. Every single time I sit down with my wife, it goes, it starts like this. Babe, do you want to watch a scary movie tonight? Yeah, let's watch a scary movie. Pour a little wine, maybe sit down. Right, we'll watch a scary movie. No, nah, I don't watch a scary movie. You want to see a comedy? Can't find a good comedy. We always end up at a documentary. It's always, always somehow yeah. ended up at a documentary yeah. again. Yeah. That's usually how it happens. Love, love documentaries. There's been a lot of good documentaries on Netflix apparently during yeah. COVID. Yeah. I only, I haven't, I don't watch much TV, but I watched the one on uh, Rupik's Cube, and it was very interesting. Yes, there's a, there's some crazy ones out there. You can get into the rabbit hole, and, and if you ever find yeah. yourself looking at uh, space documentaries, goodbye for the next three or four hours. You're just gonna be watching planet. Well, you know what? <laughs> That's the thing. I, I think I'm just really fearful that if I started watching, them, yeah. <laughs> I would find myself the next thing I'd have like you know truffles next to me right and things i shouldn't be eating so i'm going to work it. today there's just truffles all day and um <laughs> all right this is in my house this is a big deal because my son can't stand one and my other son absolutely loves it are you vanilla or chocolate vanilla yeah. oh vanilla and ice cream yeah but every night i do have dark chocolate really? with no sugar there's <laughs> one brand that has dark chocolate made with stevia. And that's my go-to. That's your, wait, that's um, like an ice cream? No, that's a chocolate bar. Oh, like a chocolate bar. Yeah, so if it's a chocolate, so if it's a bar, I mean, I'll go for chocolate in a bar mm. and I'll go for vanilla ice cream. So that's like your snack. That's that's like your-, your My snack uh, is like a square of chocolate at night. I mean, I have other snacks, but that's my like, okay, I gotta have my chocolate square. That's the same way, I'm with that with cookies. I gotta have them. Yeah. Um, all right, I, I asked this question in different ways to different people because I kind of already know how you would answer this. So let me put it to you like this. Uh, you're on vacation, wherever it is, doesn't really matter. Are you a person who likes to have activities and planned out or you just don't give me activities, I'm laying on the beach? Oh, I'm the hybrid person. 
So I'm the person who in the morning, like, you know, if we're somewhere in Europe or something, give me the tour guide, let's go do something educational and interesting, and then in the afternoon, don't give me an agenda. Oh, okay. So you are interesting like that. Do you yeah, like the planner or be surprised? I like a combo. I like to be surprised if people know me. I don't mm -hmm. like to be surprised if they don't know me. Cool. Interesting. What? I don't know. It's just selfish because I don't want to do things that I don't want to do. That's just selfish. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No problem. Um, what's one thing that, uh, you know, we know the ballroom, uh, we, we know your real estate success. We learned a lot about you. What's something else that people doesn't, that people don't know about you that, that would be interesting? I am in a four-year program to become a spiritual director under the Jesuits at Fairfield University. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, that's a big commitment. So I'm loving it, and um, I'm really, really fortunate because I have an amazing group of people supporting me on it, and it's a great program. So, so, so yeah. paint this played a big part of your life. Yeah. Wow, that's excellent. So... Robin Kinsell, you uh, you have been somebody I've been so impressed with, um, has uh, driven me in a lot of different ways, motivated me. Um, I hope to do deals with you in the future and, and watch you grow and, and be alongside. Um, can you let everybody know where they can reach you to kind of, if you have social media tags and, and websites, sure. stuff like that? But I do want to say that we could have done a deal, but you went and sold your Zacchaeus Mead house oh, before yeah. I could bring a buyer. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I apologize. If you could possibly find something similar to that, yes. let me know. I, I think I might have um, to. Yeah, I think just Google me and you'll find my contact info. You know, my phone number is 203-249-2943. Do you do um, social media a lot? Not a lot. Yeah. I mean, I you go to my Instagram. You know, I usually put things up. My 31-year-old says, take it down. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Robin has an awesome website, uh, and I think it's it's you have the two websites. You have your group, and then you have uh, your own personal website, right? No, nope, I just have one, robincansellgroup.com. Robincansellgroup.com. It's an awesome website, um, nice. and everybody should go check it out. And uh, You have a nice new website. I like your new website. I've been working on some stuff. You know, i got to keep up with the challenges. <laughs> uh everything going but robin can sell everyone uh thank you uh robin thank you for being on uh with us today and uh i wish you nothing but success and i know you will have it in the future and, and god bless god bless you back and that was so much fun spending some time with you absolutely and we'll talk again soon everybody ladies uh and gentlemen leaders of lifestyle podcast mike ferraro till next time take care uh, 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 uh.